You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention please. Now batting for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, FanRock Fantasy Baseball, the host, Al Melchior, FanRock Fantasy Baseball. Welcome, everybody. You are listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melchior, the host of this show. And uh, wish I had some uh, better news to start things off with today. But, of course, uh, if you're listening, I'm sure you're all too aware of uh, the injury that befell uh, Trey Turner yesterday. Uh, Broken wrist, uh, no timetable for his return. So that is just... Uh, a, a bad injury, uh, no matter how you look at it, and, and a huge hit for fantasy. And, uh, of course, also last night, a uh, heartbreaking injury for uh, Dustin Fowler. Uh, as he uh, He's actually already had surgery to repair the open ru- rupture of his right patella tendon, uh, which he hurt running into the wall last night. And, uh, you know, just tough, tough, tough to watch. Uh, and so Fowler never even got to make his first major league plate appearance uh, because that of course happened while he was playing the field and he was due to come up uh, the next inning and uh, obviously did not do that. So uh, both Turner and Fowler out uh, for, uh, for a good long while. Uh, And a little bit later on the show, get to some uh, potential Trey Turner replacements I'm not sure that there really is such a thing, but if you're a Trey Turner owner, you, you, you have to try to make the best of it somehow. So uh, talk about that a little bit. And a little better news today, uh, Nick Williams getting promoted from AAA Lehigh Valley to the Phillies. Uh, and he's really, I mean, the Phillies have made some call-ups this year, probably, uh, unless I'm forgetting somebody, I think Nick Pavetta probably the most notable one. But, you know, of course, a whole bevy of uh, players down in AAA, AA that are having great seasons uh, and uh, no word that they're coming up uh, soon. But Nick Williams really, I think, the first of kind of those marquee level prospects to come up. Now, to to temper whatever enthusiasm that you might have about Nick Williams, uh, there was a report from uh, uh, Matt Gelb from the Philadelphia Inquirer that this may be a very quick call-up that uh, they've got Williams up there as an extra bat, but they may decide to dedicate that spot, uh, which, by the way, was vacated by Howie Kendrick going on the DL with his hamstring injury. They may actually want to use that spot at some point for another bullpen arm. So I wouldn't get too excited about the Nick Williams call-up, but he certainly has some nice power that would play very well in Philadelphia. So... um, you know, maybe he does stick around. Maybe he, he makes an impact uh, right away and uh, the Phillies find some other way to, to deal with their bullpen or, or just decide to keep him up. So uh, that's certainly, you know, uh, an exciting situation to watch and, uh, you know, a, a good sign, too, that maybe there are going to be more prospect call-ups to come for the Phillies, uh, you know, maybe Reese Hoskins. Uh, uh, don't I think we're away from seeing Scott Kingery, but... Um, Dylan Cousins, perhaps. I mean, there's there's some other names there, uh, you know, perhaps we see uh, in the not-too-distant future. Um, some Also good news for Mike Trout. Took batting practice yesterday, and according to the Southern California News Group, he's going to need about four to six days of batting practice before he starts rehab. So the good news there is maybe we're not that far away from seeing the return of Mike Trout. So glad to end this segment on a more upbeat note. But I'll be back with more Trey Turner discussion, more news, 
More player performances from Thursday to break down, so stick around. In 2016, Scott Engel predicted an impressive second season from Melvin Gordon. Jake Seeley recommended Jordan Howard. Bobby McMahon forecasted a JGI breakthrough. George Kurtz saw a big year coming from Matt Ryan. And Joe Galena picked Rashard Matthews as one of his top sleepers. These predictions turned fantasy owners into champions, and the same crew returns this year. With more savvy calls in the exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package at rotoexperts.com. Don't miss the calls that create winners. Register now and enter free radio at checkout for a special discount. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And uh, let's uh, start off this segment by taking a quick check, and it is going to be quick, uh, check on the lineups and the weather. <laughs> I spoke too soon. Literally in just the last few moments, get three new uh, lineups come out. Uh, so uh, not really prepared, honestly, to talk about some of these because they just came up. I didn't see them over the break. The one I did see was the Pirates. Uh, at home against the Giants. And uh, for the second game in a row, no David Freeze in the starting lineup. Uh, and I did see a quote from Clint Hurdle that he's, he feels that he's overplayed David Freeze. So there's no injury issue there uh, that I'm aware of. Uh, but again, from that quote from Hurdle, it sounds like Freeze is going to play a little less going forward. So you got Josh Harrison sliding over from second base to third base. Adam Frazier playing at second. And you got John Jaso getting a start in left field against Johnny Cueto and the Giants. And maybe over the next break, I can get a, a better look here because we got the Cubs, the Marlins, and the White Sox lineups are all out. At a quick glance there, I don't see anything uh, that looks unusual, but uh, I will take a closer look at that later. So let's go on to the weather. And looks like there's a whole bunch of rain in the Midwest. And as always, this is according to Roto Grinders and their meteorologist, uh, Kevin Roth. So that could affect quite a few games, although it doesn't look like there's any really heavy-duty, very high chances of precipitation, but maybe enough to maybe delay a, day, a delay a game, uh, shorten a start for somebody. So it's, it is certainly worth keeping an eye uh, on these, but it looks like the highest chances of precipitation are in Detroit for the Indians and Tigers, uh, Cincinnati for the Cubs at the Reds, uh, and, uh, yeah, the Nationals at the Cardinals got about a 24% chance there at game time with it increasing over the next couple of hours. So, um, this would be a much more effective presentation if, first of all, this is video. And secondly, if I had one of those, you know, little, uh, radar charts, uh, you know, show you the, the swirling, uh, uh, storms coming through and all that, but I don't, I don't have any of that. So, and this is radio. Or podcast, if you're listening to this on demand. Anyway, enough of all that. So some weather things to definitely check out before uh, tonight's slate. And it's all night games tonight, so you got a little bit of time to check that out. Uh, all right, well, let's get back to some of the news items. Uh, just before break, of course, talked about Trey Turner. We'll talk about some of the potential replacements for him. Uh, talked about Mike Trout finally taking batting practice for the first time and maybe less than a week away from a, a rehab stint for him. Freddie Freeman, I'm not sure that this is, I saw this as a report. This didn't necessarily seem like news to me, but I guess it's worth stating for for Freddie Freeman owners out there that he may not return until after the All-Star break. Uh, also, Braves-related news, Matt Adams left yesterday's game early with a foot contusion 
Uh, it appears to be just a day-to-day situation for Adams, though. Uh, Dustin Pedroia was out yesterday with a left knee issue that's been bothering him. And also with a left knee issue is Avisail Garcia. And he says, uh, according to the Chicago Sun-Times, that he is expected to miss a couple of days that he just has some inflammation. Uh, and the, the tweet here said, minor discomfort, lots of ice. So that's uh, a new type of injury report for you, uh, the, the ice index. But um, all in all, Avisel Garcia going to miss a couple of days. So that's certainly for your daily lineup leagues, a uh, relevant piece of information. So let's get back to the Trey Turner situation. Again, no timetable for him uh, with his broken wrist, which he sustained after getting hit by a pitch from Pedro Strope last night. Um, and, and as I said in the first segment, I mean, you don't really replace Trey Turner. I mean, I think that's that's stating the obvious. Uh, you know, even in terms of steals, I mean, the only person who really, I think, comes close is Billy Hamilton. So if you were so inclined to swing a trade for Hamilton, uh, you could do that. And obviously, then you'd, you'd still have a, probably a second base or shortstop issue to deal with, depending on where you were using Turner. But, uh, you know, that's the thing is, I mean, there's a there's a couple of middle infield solutions that you could pick up that, again, are not going to replace Turner, but are, are going to maybe be as good as you can get. But I think probably if you really are going to try to replace everything that he gives you in terms of the stolen bases, the run scoring, uh, the power that, that he can give you, that uh, you're probably going to have to trade, may, maybe uh, fill a need in another position. And you're probably going to have to do it by trade because those players just, even in shallow leagues, they're not out there on waivers. So you're certainly, in a if you're a trade turner owner, hopefully you have a surplus somewhere else, whether it's pitching or third base or, or wherever, um, that uh, you, you could deal from that surplus to, to fill, if it's a, a categories league, you know, fill that categorical need, especially for steals, uh, where Turner is, is just unmatched this year. So obviously, you know, yeah, going after a Billy Hamilton, uh, something like that, you know, maybe a D Gordon, that would get you a good ways there. But, you know, even with those players, then you're not getting as much power as you're getting from Turner. So it's it's a tough thing. You may have to go money ball and try to find a bunch of less expensive ways to try to shore up in a bunch of different areas. So in terms of ways you could do that at second base or shortstop, I think the, the sweet spot, as close as there is to one in replacing Turner, would be to try to get either Jonathan VR or Chris Taylor. And particularly in the case of VR, that's probably going to have to happen by way of trade. Uh, although, while he was out, and, and even prior to that, when he was slumping, VR was getting dropped in some shallower leagues. Um, but I think that's, you know, probably are talking about 10-team leagues or you know, maybe a 12-team league. Uh, where there was a very impatient VR owner. And, of course, Jonathan VR probably picked the worst possible time to have a two-homer game because I imagine there were a number of owners that did pick up VR last night or this morning after that performance. But uh, I think VR is still, compared to what he could give you going forward, I think he still uh, he qualifies as a buy low. So I think that's one route you could go and probably a less expensive route you could go and maybe a route you can go on the waiver wire is to get Chris Taylor, who's been in the slump lately. I think he's still underowned, and again, not underowned to the point where he is necessarily available on on waivers in your league. But 
I think he's probably the best option you've got in terms of somebody who could be available, and he's on a pace to, to have a 2020 season with some batting average. So that's that's not bad. <laughs> and again, we, he may not sustain it, but I think that's about as good as it gets. Him, Chris Taylor, that is, or Jonathan VR, if you're looking for a second base or shortstop solution. Otherwise, then, I think you're you're looking to fill it probably an out in the outfield because, again, that's where you most likely have the best chance to find that power-speed combo that you could get from Trey Turner. I like Tommy Pham a lot, and I don't understand why he's not more owned. I think maybe there are, and maybe rightfully so, some questions about Pham's uh, long-term prospects for playing time, particularly when Dexter Fowler comes back. But in terms of that potential to provide good power, some steady steals, not on the level Turner would, but again, to make up some of that, I think Pham is one of your better bets. If you just want flat-out speed, Malik Smith is out there in a lot of leagues, and he's pretty about as close as you're going to get, I think, on waivers to getting those Trey Turner steals, or maybe Gerard Dyson. Uh, probably not getting a whole lot of power from either of those guys, but uh, Dyson and Smith, I think, are options. Cameron Mabin, probably much less available than those other options, but again, some power speed potential there for your outfield. And Byron Buxton, you know, if all else fails, the numbers aren't great. He is stealing bases, so you are you're almost certainly going to replace a good chunk of those steals from Turner, but you could really suffer in terms of batting average. But I think that Buxton does have that still. It seems like we're always saying this, but there is that ability that he could break out. We saw him hit for good power last September. He's shown it at times this year. The batting average has a long way to come for Byron Buxton. But again, your options, particularly if you need the steals, they may not be that plentiful. And Buxton may be sort of a a dark horse, you know, sort of a long shot uh, play where maybe he keeps producing those steals and starts to turn it on in terms of, of home runs and batting average. And I'll just throw one more name out there, particularly for deeper leagues, because if you're talking 15, 16, 18 team mixed league, if you're talking, um, well, actually only leagues, this is going to help because this is an AL player, but I would say for very deep uh, mixed leagues, maybe Tyler Wade is a partial solution for you because it looks like with all the uh, Yankees injuries, that he's got a chance to uh, play pretty steadily and uh, was a good base stealer in the minors. So um, that's a name to tuck away for your your deeper leagues is uh, Tyler Wade. So just a few names to to throw out there. And again, it feels almost like a, uh, a futile attempt. But uh, anyways, we got a lot more coming up, so stick around. We'll be right back after this break. fantasy nerds here's a question for you what do mozzarella sticks and the fantasy sports radio network have in common they're both awesome apps 
But seriously, download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app right now and get all your favorite shows and fantasy advice at the touch of a tiny icon on your screen. Snapchat and Instagram aren't going to help you win a fantasy football title, but the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app will. So go get it now on Google Play and iTunes. Welcome back, everybody. You are still listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And uh, as I promised in the previous uh, segment, took a closer look at that handful of lineups that came out uh, at the beginning of the last segment. Kind of caught me by surprise a little bit. Uh, with the Cubs, uh, no surprise, but no Chris Bryant in the lineup. So you've got Javier Baez manning the hot corner, Ian Happ uh, playing second base, and then you've got uh, the outfield of Wilson Contreras. Yep, Wilson Contreras playing left field, uh, Albert Almora in center, and John Jay over uh, in right field. And I was very surprised. I'm trying to remember now who uh, tweeted this out. Um, but uh, John Jay is the oldest hitter on the Cubs roster. I was very surprised by that until you know I kind of thought it through and it made sense. But um, uh, anyhow, that is your Cubs lineup for today at the Reds with Scott Feldman uh, towing the slab and just always looking for an excuse to use that expression, towing the slab. And uh, yeah, the Tigers Marlins lineups look look normal. And the White Sox lineup, you've got um, Adam Engel still in the lineup there. Talked about him in yesterday's show with Nando DeFino. So he... Uh, is getting some steady playing time there. Uh, center field batting seventh, as I mentioned in the previous segment. No Avisail Garcia. So you've got uh, Engel flanked by Willie Garcia in right field and Melky Cabrera, of course, in left field. And the catcher, Kevin Smith, filling the DH slot uh, for the White Sox tonight against the Rangers and Austin Bivin Dirks. So. Quick little review there of the lineups. Let's uh, go back to Thursday's games. And I had already mentioned uh, earlier in reference to uh, as a potential Trey Turner replacement, the Jonathan VR for fancy owners picked a very bad time to have a two homer game. Unless of course you already own VR. And if you started VR yesterday and then you're really happy, you got uh, his seventh and eighth home runs against the reds. One of a handful of two homer hitters which is, again, the norm this season. Joey Fado with a couple of home runs uh, in that same game versus the Brewers. That was Those were his 22nd and 23rd home runs of the year. And Carlos Correa with a big game, uh, his 15th and 16th home runs against the A's and also walked, so he reached base three times in that game. So after a little bit of a shaky start, Carlos Correa has been pretty hot for uh, most of the season so far. So um, also in what is probably not really news, <laughs> but uh, I think it's, it's still worth, worthy of mentioning. Anyway, Anthony Rendon homered yesterday. And that was his 16th homer of the year. And by a good margin, he leads the entire pack of third basemen in WOBA. Now there's a little bit of a gap there between his real-world value in terms of measured by WOBA and his roto value, he's fifth among third basemen there. And the best I could tell the discrepancy would be that he's getting a good chunk of his value 
from walking a lot. He's got an on-base percentage over 400, but he's also hitting just shy of 300. So it's not like Anthony Rendon, by any means, is hurting you in batting average, but he's producing a lot of runs. He's got good power. Um, so you know, maybe he's not you know, giving the steals that, you know, say Jose Ramirez is, is giving you, but, uh, you know, he's, he's certainly right there as one of the best third basemen. And I know I haven't talked about Rendon enough on this show. And when I did, it was probably earlier in the season when he wasn't doing as well. Um, uh, but he obviously has picked things up and, uh, having, right now what looks to be a career year and that's no small thing for Rendon because he's already had one very good season and a couple of seasons that were maybe a little bit disappointing and of course there's been injuries along the way for Rendon so uh yeah he I don't think at this point you you certainly can buy him in any sort of bargain but uh does does seem to be having a breakout year Randall Gritchick has really broken out since coming back from his time in the minors Another good game for him on Thursday at the Diamondbacks, going three for four with his seventh home run and his 15th double and also walking and five RBIs. So truly filling up the box score, uh, Randall Gritchick. And there's a part of that line that I actually find a little bit surprising and I actually find very encouraging, and that is that he has more than twice as many doubles as home runs. And I find that encouraging because... If Randall Gritchick is doing anything at all offensively, I figure he's hitting home runs because that's really the sort of hitter that he is. He's not reliable for batting average, but he, you know, he pulls the ball a lot, hits a lot of fly balls, and he's got a good amount of raw power. So you figure, if nothing else, he's going to help you with home runs. He doesn't profile as the sort of player who's going to have more than double as many doubles as he has home runs but that's exactly where he's at right now. So maybe a little more of a well-rounded approach for Randall Gritchick. I don't mind him being sort of a one-dimensional home run hitter. He has some value there as maybe a, a fifth outfielder, but uh, maybe maybe he's going to be a little bit more than that going forward. So that's uh, something that if you're a Gritchick owner is encouraging or if you're thinking about picking up Gritchick, could be a little bit of an encouraging sign. Michael Brantley, he reached four times against the Rangers, including a pair of doubles. Not a surprise at all to see Michael Brantley hitting doubles. So he's up to 15 now, uh, and a uh, nice game for him against the Rangers. Ian Kinsler also with a, a good game, going two for three with his ninth home run, and he also walked, so reaching three times. So a bunch of hitters here uh, you know, getting on base yesterday. But I think Kinsler could uh, actually be a bit of a buy low. We haven't. He's another player I haven't really talked much about this year. And he every year he's really a puzzling guy to figure out because he he is profiled differently at different times of his career. And early on he was somebody who had a lot of power, but had low BABIPs because of a high fly ball rate, and so he was sort of shading towards being almost one dimensional. And then at other times, he's he's been more of an on-base guy and, and has hit for, for a good average. So this year, he's hitting just 248. And yet, he is going to the opposite field much more than he did, particularly in those early years when he was kind of a, a an all-or-nothing power type of hitter. So not pulling the ball that much 
Ian Kinsler, and his hard contact rate is up significantly. So one of the things that may be holding that batting average back is that he is still hitting, or I should say still, again, the profile has changed over the years, but the fly ball rate is up for Kinsler this year. So that's fueling the power to be sure. But it seems like there is some upside in that 248 batting average. And if he can maintain the hard contact and, and use the whole field the way that he is, I think there's better times to come for Ian Kinsler. So that's something to think about if you're looking for a first base upgrade and you're in a position, again, where you can maybe trade from surplus at a different position. Kinsler might be a good bargain, a good value in terms of what you might have to pay for him right now. So that is certainly something to uh, to keep in mind. Uh, there's a lot of notable pitching performances from Thursday. And there was probably none more notable than Clayton Kershaw's. And there have been plenty of times where he's just had outstanding starts. And I don't talk about them because there's not a whole lot actionable there in fantasy for Clayton Kershaw. You're either going to pay dearly to acquire him from somebody or you were smart and lucky enough to draft Clayton Kershaw. But against the Angels, seven innings, no earned runs, one unearned run, just three hits, two walks, and 12 strikeouts. And with another pitcher, you might say, well, 12 strikeouts against the Angels, there's something to really make a note of. And I think it's a noteworthy performance from Clayton Kershaw, too. But again, it's nothing that's actionable. But it's it's always impressive when you can get double-digit digit strikeouts against one of the tougher teams to strike out in the major leagues. So uh, if anybody could do that, certainly it is Clayton Kershaw. But the main reason I bring this up is because he was so, so very close to having an immaculate inning in that game last night. Uh, nine pitches, nine strikes, three outs. Uh, the ninth pitch, just a tad high. If you haven't seen that uh, that uh, strike zone display for uh, for that particular at-bat, uh, it's out there uh, on Twitter and all over the internet. Uh, if you haven't seen it, it's uh, if you're a Kershaw owner or a Kershaw fan or just a baseball fan, it's something that's almost going to make you cringe because he just barely missed it. So, uh, you know, again, Clayton Kershaw, he's really good. Denelson Lamette, I haven't been sure if he's really good. He has been fantastic in some starts and not so good in others. And he's he's part of a group of pitchers that I've referenced a lot on the show where he's definitely seen, no matter what, he seems to be very reliable for strikeouts. But he's had some history of wildness, and he's definitely shown a tendency to give up some home runs, give up a lot of fly balls just in general. But no problems against the Braves going seven innings, scoreless innings for Lamette, only four hits and only one walk, which is terrific to see from him. And, of course, the strikeouts, eight strikeouts and seven innings for Denelson Lamette. And he's partially inspired something I'm going to look at a little bit later on the show, probably going to get to this sometime in the next segment coming up, that there are pitchers, and I talked about this with Nando DeFino on yesterday's show, like Brad Peacock and Alex Meyer, who are so enticing for strikeouts, but either in terms of wildness or hard contact, or sometimes both, that you, you might just have to pass them up. I'm still not sure, even after the strikeouts of Braves, where I fall in Lamette in terms of whether the strikeouts are enough or there's enough risk there that I'm, I'm shying away from him. But we're going to talk about a whole bunch of pitchers in that category in the next segment. 
along with some other performances from Thursday that are worth going over. So uh, going to go for a little break right now, but stick around. We'll be right back. Quarterback to receiver hookups, running back depth analysis, rookie values in dynasty leagues, deep sleepers, training camp battles. These are just a few of the in-depth features you will find inside the 2017 RotoExperts.com Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package. And it's power-packed with so much more, including fully sortable player projections and a custom cheat sheet generator. Plus, you get a full year of in-season coverage as a bonus. Get the Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package now at rotoexperts.com. Enter free radio at checkout for your special discount. Welcome back, everybody. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I am Al Melchior, your host of this show. And uh, this show, you know, you could take it with you as long as all as well as all the other shows on Fantasy Sports Radio Network. And that's because they are available on the world's premier 24-7 Fantasy Sports Radio app. You can download the Fantasy Sports Radio app in the iTunes Store or on Google Play right now and listen for free anytime, anywhere. You can hear Tony Cicada on the treadmill. You can hear Benny Riccardi in your car or Greg Sussman on the subway or just relax with the king on the couch or with Jake Seeley when you're jogging. We'll keep you updated and informed wherever you go. So get the Fantasy Sports Radio app for free right now in the iTunes Store or on Google Play and take the experts with you. Also, take this lineup information with you. Uh, The Red Sox lineup is out. And in it is Dustin Pedroia, who we talked about earlier in the show, uh, who missed yesterday with his nagging knee injury, but he is back at second base playing third. And Sue Lin is back in the Red Sox lineup playing shortstop. So it looks to be a just a routine day off, although a rare day off, for Xander Bogarts. So no Xander Bogarts in the starting lineup against the Blue Jays tonight against Marco Estrada, and that's also Doug Fister. Uh, I'll say it again, towing the slab for the Red Sox in that game. Red's lineup is out, and first time we've seen him in it for a while is Zach Cozart back at shortstop and batting second behind Billy Hamilton. Uh, so answering the question that I've been getting quite a bit over the last few days on Twitter, should I go get or should I keep Scooter Jeanette? And this is the scenario that uh, you, uh, all of the Jeanette owners out there feared that Cozart's back and Jeanette is not in the lineup. So, uh, yeah, probably not a whole lot of short-term value for Scrooge Jeanette. But remember, Zach Cozart is one of the players on the Reds who has been continually rumored to be on the trade market. So especially in deeper leagues, uh, I would not recommend cutting Scooter Jeanette, uh, and maybe even stashing him if he is available, because I imagine that there could be uh, a big role for him again in the not-too-distant future. But for right now, no Scooter Jeanette in the Reds lineup, and that's against the Cubs with uh, Mike Montgomery on the mound. I'll give towing the slab a little bit of a, a break there. So let me go back to the discussion that I started before the break, talking about Denelson Lamette with a great start against the Braves. And 
I even with this start, I'm a little bit still on the fence with Lamette, as I am with pretty much any other pitcher I put in this category of consistently great for strikeouts, not consistently great in other ways. Um, and and I'm gonna get that a little bit later on because there's a number of pitchers, and and this is a conversation that I really sort of started with Nando on Thursday's show when we were talking about Brad Peacock. Actually, Nando was the one who brought it up, but I thought it was a great topic. Brad Peacock, who is somebody that I, I've coveted in, in several of my leagues, got him in several of my leagues, very happy with Brad Peacock. But comparing him with Alex Meyer, and both definitely flawed strikeout pitchers, but I made the argument that Peacock, who, by the way, leads the entire major leagues among starting pitchers with at least 30 innings and strikeout rate. So that makes him a little less flawed, but he's also second among that group of pitchers in walk rate. So I get Nando's point about Brad Peacock, but Alex Meyer falls in that category. There are several others. Uh, I'm sure you could probably guess some of the names, but uh, we're going to break that down later because there's some comparisons to be made among pitchers in that group. And frankly, they're comparisons that really surprised me in terms of which pitchers might be more or less flawed than other pitchers in that group. But before we get to that, let's move on to uh, some other notable performances, both bad and good from Thursday's games. And in the bad category would be Jaime Garcia, who I bought into at the very moment that his season seemed to turn south. (laughs) And that direction continued because he had the Padres at Petco Park. That just seemed to be a great opportunity for Garcia to get on track and while he did last six innings, he gave up six earned runs on seven hits and three walks, did get six strikeouts. And one of the things that I've, I've liked about Garcia is that he, for the first time in a few years, has pumped up that swinging strike rate again, rate again. So in addition to just getting all those grounders, he's missing some bats, and that's a good combination because with ground ball pitchers, you just never know how much of a victim of their defense and of luck that they might be. So miss, that's a great combination. Garcia's had it for much of the season, but it has not really gone very well for him lately. So a start against the Padres is a good test of uh, how startable you are. And, and if, if Garcia can't ace that, uh, I, I'm going to have to drop him in the couple of leagues where I picked him up. Michael Fulmer, on the other hand, uh, we actually talked about this a little bit on yesterday's show because this start was in in progress. It was a day game against the Royals. Uh, Nice start for Fulmer. Maybe not quite as dominant as it looked at the outset, but owners cannot complain about this start for Michael Fulmer. Eight and two-thirds innings, two earned runs, three runs total on seven hits, and no walks with seven strikeouts. And again, it's another favorable matchup here with the Royals being a although not as not as good as a, of a matchup as they were earlier in the season. And I have to sort of keep correcting myself when I talk about the Royals, because while they still rank very low overall in terms of year-to-date stats, the last month or so, they have been a better offensive team. But nonetheless, a good pitcher like Michael Fulmer should do well against the Royals, and he did very well against the Royals. And I still like Fulmer uh as, as a as a value pitcher that I think that you could buy him at a level because the strikeouts haven't really been consistent for him, especially in a points league, but really in any format. That's not mattering to me because he has consistently across the season been one of the best pitchers in terms of limiting hard contact, limiting great distances on, on the fly balls that he allows. So 
he could be very efficient, go deep into games, not give up a lot of runs, whether or not the strikeouts were there. And they certainly were there against the Royals uh, in that game with, with seven of them. Moving on to somebody far more enigmatic than Michael Fulmer, Baldo Jimenez with one of his best starts of the season, maybe his best. He's had a few really dazzling starts among some that are pretty much the opposite of dazzling. But at Toronto, not an easy place to pitch. Jimenez tossed eight scoreless innings, allowing only two hits. And this is great to see from Jimenez, just one walk and eight strikeouts. And I guess you could maybe even include Jimenez in that category of pitchers who can really come through with strikeouts. It's never a huge surprise when Jimenez puts up a big strikeout number, but there's always a lot of countervailing stats that get in the way of, of him producing for value. This was just his fourth quality start of the year. Now, I know he spent a few weeks in the bullpen recently, so that worked against him. But still, we are now about halfway through the season, and Ubaldo Jimenez has four quality starts. But he's he's either typically been really on like this or really off, and that's been a pattern for him for years now. So I have learned not to get fooled. <laughs> Very impressive start from Jimenez. Uh, I don't expect him to follow it up the next, next time out. So I just, I'm, I'm not going there. Uh, speaking of the impressive, Jamison Tyone has just been great since uh, coming back uh, in his uh, recovery from testicular cancer. Another great start for him. Uh, and this against the Rays, who are pretty dangerous against right-handed pitchers. Tyone blanking the Rays for six and one-third innings. Uh, seven hits, only two walks, only four strikeouts, but that's a pretty typical Tyone start. You don't necessarily expect the case from him, but I would say much like Michael Fulmer, I don't care. I mean, the guy can go deep into games. He can prevent runs. He's got a good park uh, to pitch in. I don't think he really needs it, but it's it's just another element there that uh, maybe adds just a little something to Tyone's value, but uh, another very impressive start for him. And another very impressive start for Jimmy Nelson. And I really regret not getting in on him when things were going pretty well pretty early this year. Maybe not right off the bat, but I think if my memory serves, probably by about late April, early May, there were signs that this was going to be a breakout for Nelson. And he just keeps going. And against the Reds in Cincinnati, Nelson went seven innings, giving up two runs on three hits and a walk with 11 big Ks for Jimmy Nelson. So if you have some opportunity, I'm sure it's likely only in your shallower leagues, because I certainly have missed the opportunity to get him. Uh, If he's out there, though, you you certainly have to pick him up. Uh, At least I did get Chase Anderson in a couple of leagues. Of course, he's on the DL now. But those two guys have really broken out this year. And David Price, maybe... Breakout's not a good word to use for, uh, you know, former Cy Young winner. But certainly turning a corner, it would seem, with this latest start against the Twins. Not an easy matchup for a lefty. But uh, David Price going seven against the Twins. Quality start. Three runs on six hits with uh, no walks. Seven strikeouts. And uh, Joe Ross, I think he is also turning the corner. I've been advising people to stay away from him, allowing a ton of hard contact earlier on this season. But now out of his last five starts, four of them quality starts. And this one against the Cubs, six and two-thirds, 
two runs on five hits, three walks, and seven Ks. Three walks are a little concerning, but overall, that's a really nice line for Joe Ross. And again, it's a nice line among a, a, a cluster of uh, some pretty good starts for him lately. So, um, so encouraging stuff for Joe Ross. If he's out there, he's worth speculating on. So I've been teasing it throughout much of the show. We got to head to break in a few moments here, but when we come back, I want to talk about uh, pitchers like Denelson Lamette, uh, like Brad Peacock, like Alex Meyer, who are these flawed strikeout pitchers, and how do they stack up against one another? Um, be interesting to look at. And Robbie Ray is a key member of that group. He's starting tonight, so if you're deciding whether or not to run him out there in your rotation, you might want to tune into this next segment. So stick around. I will be right back after this break. Quarterback to receiver hookups, running back depth analysis, rookie values in dynasty leagues, deep sleepers, training camp battles. These are just a few of the in-depth features you will find inside the 2017 RotoExperts.com Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package. And it's power-packed with so much more, including fully sortable player projections and a custom cheat sheet generator. Plus, you get a full year of in-season coverage as a bonus. Get the Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package now at RotoExperts.com. Enter free radio at checkout for your special discount. Welcome back to FanRag Fantasy Baseball, this last segment. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And before we get on with a little bit more pitcher talk here, I'm going to tell you about the RotoExperts.com Exclusive Edge In-Season Fantasy Baseball Package. It is your ultimate bench coach for this, the 2017 season. Stay ahead of the pack with their in-depth statistical breakdowns, trend analysis, and player insights. Become a waiver wizard and learn how to scan the numbers like a Roto scientist. They'll help you set the ideal lineups every week. And this season, you also get a built-in fantasy training staff with their new injury advisor, powered by InsideInjuries.com. So go get the RotoExperts.com exclusive edge in-season fantasy baseball package now and start soaring to the top of the standings. Enter the promo code FREERADIO at the checkout for a special discount. So here's the thing I've been wanting to talk about uh, all show long and uh, here last few minutes. Let me get to it. Pitchers who pretty consistently give you a lot of strikeouts, but uh, can't necessarily be counted on to give you good overall value. So talked earlier in the show about Denelson Lamette and his very good start against the Braves. Uh, talked yesterday's show about Brad Peacock. He started Yesterday, went five innings against the A's uh, and gave you seven strikeouts in those five innings, but also six walks. So pretty timely to talk about Brad Peacock and his control issues. Uh, Also, just two hits. So that takes a little bit of the sting out of uh, the impact on your whip. Uh, But uh, yeah, very mixed start there from, from Brad Peacock. But as I mentioned earlier in the show... He leads all starting pitchers with at least 30 innings in terms of K rate, but he's also second in walk rate. There are a total of five pitchers uh, in that category 
of 30 or more innings starting pitchers who have a K rate of 25% or higher and a walk rate of 10% or higher. Peacock is one of them. So was Alex Meyer, who uh, we discussed on yesterday's show. So is Danny Salazar, who's working his way back uh, off the DL, making some rehab starts. So is Robbie Ray, who's going to pitch tonight at home against the Rockies. And the fifth member of this group is Mike Clevenger. And there may be a little bit of a rotation uh, crunch there when Salazar comes back, which could be very soon. Uh, Salazar and Clevenger profiling very similarly. Now, there's a six pitcher who just misses the cutoff, Trevor Cahill, who has a 9.8% walk rate. So just for fun, let's include him. And, of course, he's also working his way back and could be back soon. So all six of those pitchers with high strikeout rates, high walk rates, but only one out of the six has a high hard contact rate. Cahill has a 33% rate, which is just a, just a touch, just tenths of a, of a percentage point above the major league average this year. Uh, and so he, Alex Meyer, Brad Peacock, Mike Clevenger, Danny Salazar, all have average or below average hard hit rates. Robbie Ray, 41% hard contact rate. So he's really in a class by himself in terms of somebody who's very extreme in terms of providing you strikeouts and very risky in terms of both control and getting hit hard on contact, which, again, is not a major issue for pitchers that don't allow a lot of contact, but he's so far and above the the, the rest of that group that I got to tell you, I'm, I'm looking to sell Robbie Ray right now. I own him in a couple leagues. I am looking to sell. I think he has gotten by with that higher contact rate, and and I think that that's good. it's going to come back to get him. And he's had he's had a pretty easy schedule over the last several weeks. So check that out. Check out the game log for Robbie Ray. I think he's in for for some hurt in the weeks to come. So thanks for tuning in. I will be back on Sunday. Mike Podhorzer from Fancrafts will be my special guest. So you'll want to be here for that. Uh, stay tuned for the rotation and have a great weekend, everybody.